Good evening, and welcome to episode 88 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight, our panellists include recovering vegetarian celebrating one year being carnivorous, Jesse Marshall. Yeah, I had a uh, relapse today, unfortunately. I had a veggie burger for lunch, but otherwise I'm doing pretty well. Thanks, Brian. Very sorry to hear that, but hopefully you'll get over it. The man who currently has candles and a bottle of rubbing alcohol next to his bed for those emergency Dungeons & Dragons sessions, Hollis Echo. Yeah, I need to make sure I stop turning my camera on so early. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. (laughs) And I'm your host, that guy who will always go out of their way to tell you something obscure about the Game of Thrones books just to prove that I've read them, Brian Holland. And, and you're uh, sort of doing it again now by telling yeah, us in that a way. you read them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, have, uh, I have read the Game of Thrones books, just in case. Oh, have you? Wants to have know you? Anything. Oh, I don't know. Do you want to know about Moon Boy or Maggie the Frog or um, uh, Poliver? All right, that's enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tonight, we're uh, actually going to recap our regionals. Uh, last week, it was great to speak with uh, Alice from the UK about doing so well at her regionals, and we thought that we would spend the time today uh, talking about how we've gone recently. So let's start with Hollis. We haven't heard from Hollis for a little while. How things been, dude? You, uh, w- w- which regionals did you play in? I don't even know. Oh, uh, yeah, no, actually, my uh, our city. Well, it's because I feel like we've just grown apart so much. Um, <laughs> in my local city, we we actually had a regional. So I was fortunate enough to be in a city where a regional was taking place. Um, we didn't have a very big regional. I think we maybe had like thirty so or so people. Um, I ended up in the top four, and uh, as well as my friend John, who um, is a, a very good player in our meta that I practice with. Um, it w- our regional was won by ah, uh, uh, I think it was Ahmed Abessi, uh who faced um, Gordy. I can't remember his last name. Unfortunately, Gordy. I apologize. Gordy in the finals. Um, it was a fun experience. I uh, I really enjoyed playing uh, and getting to see you know people that are fans of the show and. Uh, took some pictures, uh, and um, even got to play on stream where everyone could tell me how bad I was in that runner. So it was, it was pretty fantastic. Um, so it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, suit up for the event? I did not actually. Uh, in did you uh, Huntsville, it impacted it's, on your games at all. Uh, I probably could have won the tournament. I think if I had uh, you know gone the extra mile and worn a full suit uh, suit and tie with the vest, mm-hmm. you know it's a mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, you live and you learn, and then you wear suits to be like Damon Stone, and then you, you know, you win. You just win tournaments. So, mm. uh, going forward, that'll be my next big game plan. The decks are fine. I would not change a single card in any deck ever, but I would change my attire. Mm. In all seriousness, though, how were the decks? <laughs> <laughs> how were the decks? What did you yeah. play? Okay, so what I ended up playing is I was I decided to be uh, the cheese, and I played uh, Dumble Fork Wizard, and I played uh, I hate the game, uh, or the game is boring, or the game is unfun. Ig. Um, okay. Also known as bioethics, IG. Um, yeah, I will say that um, I'm going to just throw this out there. So, Dumble Fork, of course, is still a really you know still a really great deck option. Uh, somewhere online, you can probably pull. Someone's already collected a lot of the data for regionals results, and we could talk about that at the end if you guys would like. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, actually. That, that was it's um, a good uh, username, Dodge Pong. Yeah, I'm Ben. Not aware I of think. his is it Ben. Is yeah. That his name? Yeah, Ben, so. he, he's the one that's behind the P-Check videos. They do excellent, excellent casting that's live casting. Um, and that's oh, really yes. his, that's, yeah. that's really, um, you know, his wheelhouse. He's the one that's kind of been the guy behind the scenes on that one. Um, but, yeah, he, he's collected all the, the regionals data. We could talk about that after. But, uh, in short, um, Dumble Fork is still a really good archetype because it's really good versus IG and uh, HB matchups. Um, it still has the same sort of issue where the engine requires 
a really great start. So decks like MBN can still come out on top because they they're simply just so fast comparatively, and it the asset spam sort of uh, reduces the amount of clicks you have to to get that engine, that draw engine rolling. Because you have to actually make the time to play the economy cards, play the resources to help you draw cards, get the right you know get Faust into play. When they're asset spamming so quickly, even even though it's only a few ice, it makes it very difficult to make the runs that'll score agendas. You're you're too busy trying to control their economy or control their card advantages and uh, card yeah, quality. Yeah, sometimes with those in cards. those games that like at the time that they transition from just installing all their assets to actually building their remote, sometimes the Dumblefork deck needs a couple of turns just to turn from running every single remote every turn back to installing Wildside, installing Chronotype, getting its engine happening. And in those couple of crucial turns, the Corp can sometimes find a window to score. No, correct. I mean, yeah, that's that's really uh, one of the, I guess, one of the better matchups for NEH. I wouldn't say better, but it's it's not a bad matchup, you know, NEH versus Wizard, because most of the time, exactly what you said happens. The, the engine takes a little too long to get rolling unless your start was fantastic. We're talking, you know, career fair, Wildside, and adjuster chronotype, and um, there's even games. I think in Double Force, there's probably even games where you end up, you know, not even installing the wild side chronotype engine until later when you know you have a control over the board. But then on the on the corpse side, I played IG, um, where you know it's just trying to put, you know, as always, get that runner in that position to where um, they really can't win the game. You know, the game now has a clock, and eventually, you know, that clock will run out. You can't trash things fast enough. Um, and it's just, it's such, you know, it's such an, it can be such a negative play experience for the runner, um, because, you know, I'm all about those negative play experiences. Um, I recently listened to, to justify the IG play, in my opinion, and this is how I sleep with, sleep at night. Mm. I ju- I just listened to a episode of the, the new podcast in the UK called Dead Channel. Yeah. Um, props to them. Shout out. Shout out. Um, and they had an interview with uh, Dave Hoyland. And Dave, Dave Hoyland, as you know, one of our good friends, actually stated that he feels like if he plays IG, if the runner is not playing Wizard with Hate versus IG, that he's probably winning, like regardless of, of what you know, the, the, the runner is. Of course, you'll have you know, other scenarios where the Noise will win or the Andromeda will win the one game out of you know, 10 or 20. But nine yeah. times out of ten, he just doesn't win unless his wizard with IG hate, and even then, he can still win. It's still not a completely like a complete you no know, guarantee that he loses that game. Um, so yeah, knowing I've that, been, um, playing, I played a couple of games with museum decks um, just over the last few days just to get a bit of practice in again, and I found that I really just didn't have fun. And I know a lot of people sort of get on the bandwagon of hating on museum, hating on Mumbai City Hall, especially. Um, but how do you find playing it in real life? Because the few times that I've played with or against it in a person rather than online, just the sheer amount of shuffling really does take away from the game significantly. In my experience, yeah. did you find that as well? Uh, it feels very non-interactive. And it feels like a lot of the times, you know, the, the runner can make as many runs as they want. And I'm just... and. The runner can make as many runs as they want, trash as many things as they want, and I'm just sitting on the on my side, kind of just like fist into my chin, just waiting for my turn to begin. Um, often, often I know that the game is in so so much in my control, I don't even really pay attention to their side, even almost like I'm I'm basically I'm basically trying to make sure we don't go to time, so I'm choosing the cards I'm going to shuffle before you know before he even gets to my turn. 
And I mean, the moment my turn begins, I'm I'm just going. All right, you done? All right, I'm shuffling. And here you go. You may cut. Um, it it does take it does take a lot away from the game because I think I'm spending more time shuffling than I am actually you know at any point in time conversing with my opponent or you know clarifying a play. I'm just trying to make sure that my board side is just handled as fast as possible. And and how did the deck actually run then on on the day at the tournament? Uh, I lost a single game with IG during the day, and it was due to time. Like, it, it wasn't even... Like, the game was over. Like, they had they literally had no deck. For, it was in the finals, um, but the, he literally had no deck, four cards in hand, and I had three bioethics. So, another two minutes, and the game was over. But, you know, I mean... Uh, that, was in the, that was in double limb. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you uh, know... Yes, another, another good reason that those double limb games are timed. Shout out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and you know, when when that happened, you know, you could look at you could look at moments where you possibly could have taken a moment to go, go a little faster. I mean, there were, but I mean, either way, the fact remains is that you know, even even with that loss based on time, you know, if I look at the board, I was in such control that it didn't matter. Like, it, it effectively, like I said, another two minutes, it would have been irrelevant. But still, props out to my opponent because they're a very skilled player. I never felt like they were slow playing. Um, or anything like that. They were, they were, you know, uh, Gordy's a good guy. He played the game really well. He made the right calls. Um, you know, IG just does what it does, and that was my justification for you know making sure I took it to a tournament because um, I knew I knew you know it, it it was a very strong archetype for sure. And that's it. That's it for me. That's it. Cool. Did you have fun? I loved it. Hollis, I love it. Good. I'm um, really glad. I think that the the we talked. Privately, I think um, about how things like IG and certain cards for some people make the game unfun. Um, in some cases, people are reporting attendance is down, and um, there's definitely that. I, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with any of those uh, sentiments. But it was amazing that you know people were having as much fun as they were, you know, having conversation and discussing the game at a high level, even with those cards existing in the meta. I think basically it felt like people are doing their best in spite of the things that they may not like in the game. Um, and that's a positive thing. That says a lot about the community that they're willing to stick around even when you know they feel like the game really isn't in the best space. And so that made me really happy to um, play the game and you know feel you know that competitive spirit again. I know that I personally had been feeling drained um, because because of the you know the current state of the meta, and uh, I think that sort of rejuvenated my interest. It, it bounced me back into the game, you know, in a, at that kind of competitive event. So it was, it was amazing. I had a, a ton of fun. Um, when you're talking about the the state of the metagame at the moment, Hollis, the statistics that Ben has put together give us a snapshot across a number of months. So there have been a number of packs released in the time that these statistics have been compiled, but it covers all of the regionals um, that have been held. And I think it gives us a pretty interesting picture of what exactly we're talking about when we talk about the metagame, particularly because uh, Ben's compiled the lists that make it to the cut in these tournaments, whether it's top eight or top four. And what that shows us is that these decks are the ones that have been successful at these tournaments and across the large sample size that Ben's managed to put together, um, it shows us what decks have been successful at pretty much every regionals tournament across the world. What these statistics are showing us, Hollis, is that in every top a top cut, well, nearly every top cut. Well, well, we should clarify every top cut that is reported. Yeah, well, that's what I mean by nearly every top cut. Yeah, so every top cut that has uh, that Ben's managed to get the statistics from, um, one third, a full third of all of the decks 
in those top cuts are NeuroThub. Nearly 50%, nearly half of the players in all of those top cuts across all the regionals across the world are playing NBN. You, you have to, I mean, I, I know that we'll, we'll, I don't know how deep we want to go into this, but it feels like, you know, this is not unlike the last two or three years, right? Like basically, in NBN in general, I know we're, I know in this case now it's, it's NeuroThub, but NBA in general, I think, has always kind of seen, uh, ever since, you know, Project Bill and NAPD, it's kind of always seen these numbers where it's been sort of the most represented deck in the meta. Um, and I'm pretty sure Near Earth Hub came out right before Nationals of 20... Is that Nationals of 2014? It's right between, before Nationals yeah, 2014. Yeah, before yeah. 2014, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're into that two-year mark where this has been literally the best deck um, or not, I wouldn't say best necessarily, but well, the best, best ID, play. right? Yeah, yeah, right. The deck, the deck is like I mean, the, the core of the deck is the same, but the deck itself has changed. I think a fair bit. But it's a very consistent, yeah. aggressive option. Oh, um, of course, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why it's good. Uh, yeah. So I think for me, and I commented this, I think on the thread on Stimhack where this was posted, or maybe on another thread. But basically, what it shows me about the state of the metagame at the moment is that particularly when you look at the runner side as well, with just over a third of all runner decks in all top eights being wizard as an ID, um, a large percentage of those you would think will be the sort of Dumblefork variant build, um, or at least be running, like 99% of them are probably running Fast David. There'd be very few that are running a traditional Anarch Breaker Suite. But what that shows you, me um, and the way I read this data is that that Breaker Suite pushes people to be really fast and be fast advancing, through um, AstroScript is the best way to beat that deck and NeuroThub being so well represented shows that that's the most effective way to do it. Um, and the other option that you have is to go with IG. I think those are the two consistent ways. Uh, or well, museum decks. Well, no, no. The second deck is Polana. Right? Well, no. The second, be- the second highest represented deck in top eights is, is Polana, yeah. And that's the, that's the yeah. third option, but I think that's a distant third. I think the, the Polana and HB... Um, are both very similar decks. Um, one will be food coats, and the HB deck will be sort of food coats variants mostly, are the ones that we make yeah. it. Um, and Polana decks are probably in the main very similar to those food coats builds, but yeah. out of it. Um, Jinteki instead, uh, relying on Caprice to score. And I mean, those decks are both decent, but I think defensive, sort of mid range to control. Um, Decks yeah. that are relying on a remote to win are not nearly as good as either museum no. decks or fast advance. Yeah. yeah, and adding, I guess you know, even you know, adding um, adding the whipped cream on top of this Sunday of data. Um, if you look at it, um, while the most represented, like if you look on the corpse side, right, it says like the IDs that made the cut most often are uh, Near Earth Hub, then Polena, and then IG. Well, HB and IG. Then HB. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry. And by HB, we mean engineering the future. (laughs) Yeah. Is there another (laughs) idea, is there? (laughs) And, and, you know, people people look at that and they would go, oh, well, you know, the data is sort of skewed because obviously more people play an ID, right? Then that means that it's more likely to be in the top cut. But if you look at the bottom of the data, you want to look at what has been winning, right? So industrial genomics is only 8% of like the most common deck in the cut. So it only, I think it only plays 39 times total in regionals, but it's won 
it's second in the most number of tournament wins compared to NBN. So if you look at if you look at NBN, NBN has as far as winning corp factions, NBN has thirty three, or sorry, um, specific uh, winning IDs, right? Yep, NEH. It's basically yep. NEH has like six with like com- with paired with Wizard, whereas IG has six when paired with Wizard. So so even though there's way more NBN um, in the meta. Um, and you know, obviously, that's going to help its numbers with how often it wins mm. as, on a per tournament basis. There's far less IG that has been noted making it top eight, but it is the second in like the most number of wins available. Yeah. So if you compare the like, percentage of, of top eight representation, NEH is slightly below, like thirty one percent of wins are by NEH decks, whereas thirty three percent of all decks in top cuts are NEH. So it's slightly underperforming the top cut, but very close to being proportional. IG is overperforming by about, um, not 5%, um, they, the, far more than that proportionally, but there are 8% of decks in the top card are IG and 13% of winning decks are IG, um, whereas Engineering the Future and Palina are significantly underperforming in terms of actually winning events. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what, I mean, again, what that shows me is that if you actually want to win an event, if you want to be that, at that highest level of consistency, which is you're winning Swiss rounds and you're able to then again, for the second time you're playing a lot of these opponents, beat them again. You want to be playing the best decks. And at the moment, it looks like IG and NEH are the best decks. And just quickly, um, before we move on, Brian, I just want to note that point, the fact that those two decks are the best, I think is what frustrates a lot of people for a couple of reasons. Now, I really love NEH. I love playing it. I think it's a really fun deck. I love playing it against it Yeah, I really it enjoy well. playing against it. It's oh. always fun um, for me. Yeah. But it has been yeah. around for a long time. And for people who are looking for a change and some different things to have their time in the sun, I can understand why those people are frustrated to see that being still the most common deck in top cuts. Um, then you've got yeah. what I think are a lot of legitimate complaints about the... Um, I guess, tournament etiquette of playing an IG deck that we discussed a little bit earlier with Hollis, you know, all the shuffling, all of that, plus the non-interactive nature of the deck's uh, strategy of how it tries to win, also not particularly fun. So then if people are trying to um, play another deck or look for another option, at the moment, from these stats, those other options aren't good enough to for people who want to go and win the tournament to choose over either of those two other options. So I hope that some cards that are released soon will change that. Um, and that's certainly what people are looking for when they're saying they want to see a change in the metagame. That's no, some really, really good statistics. It's really good to get like this data. So if anyone is out there in a regional uh, or ran a regional and, and hasn't reported, please get in contact with uh, Dodgepong. I'm pretty sure you can just do so on the Stimhack thread and he will add the info in there because the more data we have, the better it is. Mm. Um, it's really quite expensive too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, I guess it's like, worth saying that it's worth saying that uh, Wizard and Noise together account for nearly half of all runner decks in top cuts. Oh, well, I mean, Anarch, I mean, you can see in the totals, well, Anarch across all was sixty-three percent represented. Is, uh, considering yeah. there are fewer runner factions than there are cult factions, it's understandable that yeah. the largest sure. um, yeah. cut is larger, but still 63% is more than what FFG are going to want to be seeing for one of the runner factions to have. Um, And certainly 34% of all top eights and, oh, sorry, all top cuts and 40% of all event wins 
is higher than what they would want to be seeing for a single ID, and that's what Wizard has. Um, so Wizard is overperforming in top in top cuts as well. There are more higher proportion of Wizards winning events than there are making the top cut. Um, same for Kate. Um, and noises are slightly underperforming, but those are the three best IDs to play if you want to make top cuts and if you want to win the event at the moment. It's man, that's it. I'm, I'm just looking at these numbers and like the it's it's more skewed on the runner side for sure than it is on the corpse side because you know the corpse like what's great on the corpse side dictates what you should be playing as the runner most often, right? For the right the, for to as the meta game for a ton of assets and. We're at the point now in the game where asset decks are literally so powerful or so difficult to interact with and, and, and for the runner to control or keep up with that you, you, we, it literally requires an ID that says gain three credits per turn. Like That's basically what Wizard is. Wizard is, is gain three credits per turn. So in the grand scheme of the game, if the game lasts 18 turns or, or so, you know, the game lasts 18 turns and I gain that three credits per turn, well... I think the value is pretty clear. 18 times 3 is a pretty hefty amount of credits. I don't know a game I couldn't win a lot easier if, you know, I didn't have, you know, almost or over 50 extra credits just for, for just for playing the game. That ID should just... I mean, if, the, if that ID said when you're... If, the ID, if Wizard said when the game begins, gain 45 credits, that would be on... I, w- I would like people to think about that. Like, that would be on par effectively <laughs> with what it's doing. Like, Or even if, as you phrased it, it was a corporate sales team type effect where you're getting three credits at the beginning of every turn, and it's similarly busted. Um, obviously, a credit is more versatile than a recurring credit to trash cards, but in a meta where one of the decks is basically demanding that you trash its assets, or two of the best decks, if you've got an NEH horizontal deck, are demanding that you trash assets consistently across the course of the game, those credits are almost as versatile as a normal credit. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of those skewed numbers, uh, neither Jesse nor myself were contributing to that because we both played Kate in our nice. original. Uh, Jesse, uh, seeing as we played identical decks, I'll, I'll get you to take take away on uh, um, what what you took uh, on the Kate side. You you can't unsee Kate, no. just like it's still 2014. Um, uh, you made some, I don't, I don't want to say the last minute changes, but you did make a couple of meta call changes in terms of how the influence was split. Uh, you want to take us through there? I mean, a lot of people know your Kate deck yeah, by now. So, so for those who are playing the Stealth Kate list, you probably would have seen the updated list that I put on Netrunner DB after the event. Um, and what I'd changed in the influence was to take out one of the Lucky Finds, which was a really tough call uh, because Lucky Find, Shore Gamble, Technical Rider Contacts is really the core of the economy. Uh, and losing a Lucky Find is a bit of a hit. But in testing against the... Corp decks in the meta, IG, and other horizontal decks that we've spoken about, but also Polymer, which I anticipated was going to be um, a big slice of the metagame for people who were looking for that uh, more traditional mid-range alternative. Uh, Against those two decks, the uh, list that I was playing did struggle a little bit, and I found that there were some answers that were quite easy to fit in if I could free up a little bit of influence. So freeing up the influence from the lucky find allowed me to put in uh, a, an employee strike and a political operative. Political operative being excellent against both engineering the future and Polliner at taking out the Caprice or the Ash right when you need it, but also winning me a game at regionals uh, by trashing a Jackson. Um, run HQ, they didn't see the political operative coming. 
played at Trash Jackson immediately and ran archives for the last two points against an HB deck. So, yeah, political operative. That's very spicy yeah. play. Yeah, I think a lot of people go straight to the, oh, I can finally kill Caprice without having to win a side game without thinking of uh, interesting interactions like that. Yeah, so that's a, a definitely a versatile one to have in the deck. And I know, I think you played two polyps, Brian, in your list. I, I did because uh, on the, the morning of, like, I, I won't lie, like, I, I'd been really out of practice. Uh, I've been very busy with a lot of things leading up to regionals and I wasn't hugely practiced, so I was just going to take the standard list and you were there in the morning, Jesse, and you convinced you, like, oh, you should probably cut a Lucky Fine and put in a Slums or something. And I don't think I had the pack, but you... Uh, you lent me some of your political operatives because you're only yep. playing one, and I didn't. I didn't have access to an employee strike because you, know, you said play one. So I ended up playing two political operatives, and they put in quite a lot of work because I, I played against um, uh, a couple of planet decks, and I think it might have even been a replicating perfection deck at one point too. So um, consistently drawing them with, uh, you know, you got a very strong draw engine in contacts there and, and getting them out, and yeah, it's it's quite a scary thing for most most opponents because they don't really see that kind of thing coming, especially out of Shaper. Yeah. So, it's quite so that handy. was a that was one of the really good changes, and I, I also find employee strike. Obviously, if you have it early against engineering the future, it can make a massive difference um, against NEH. Oh, yeah. It's still important because it slows down their game over the course of the game by a couple of turns at least, um, due to the additional draws they have to do. Um, and yeah, obviously against IG and, and other. Some decks it yeah, just turns off. Other decks yeah. is great, even <laughs> against Argus, things like that. Yeah. Um, so employee strike definitely one that I'm. And New Angels Soul, obviously, it's yes. a lot of play. Yeah, it's quite good against that um, as well. So that's one I've been really happy to have in the deck. The other influence that I freed up was removing the HQ interface, which um, was the um, there for HQ pressure, but decided that it was more important to have a little bit more game against IG and the other decks that are relying on asset spam. So put in a Soul Set Slums. Um, have since removed the Soul Set Slums, finding that um, Political Operative and Employee Strike were doing enough, Employee Strike particularly against those asset spam decks, um, were doing enough, yeah, particularly in concert, in concert with Parisia being in the deck, allowed you to interact with the assets you really needed to while still returning to your central game plan. And in decks where Slums was dead, having the um, two influence free to either include another lucky find or include another employee strike and another utility card like a hunting grounds has proven to be a lot more versatile and useful in my testing. Yeah, and uh, on the corpse side, we both took uh, NBN. So we were unfortunately contributing to the skewed numbers. Yeah. There. But as we both <laughs> said, like, I think I, th- I think you hit it on the head uh, quite a long time ago, Jesse, when we were talking about, I don't know, the last time the sky was falling and everyone was complaining about Near Earth Hub. But I think you, you put something very, very important, which I think is also true of the HB. You know, a lot of people complain about engineering the future being everywhere, but you said that fast advancing is, is it feels like, Netrunner, it doesn't feel like you're not playing Netrunner because that strategy has been around since the core yep. set. And it's just it's a legit strategy. It's not something that's come out of nowhere. It's something that has changed a lot over time. Uh, some newer players probably don't quite understand how that's true, but it has as new cards have come in and out. Like clot, the, the clot game like adds a whole new element of strategy to it. It's Fast advancing doesn't feel cheap or anything like that, as people often suggest. Um, I still really enjoy playing with it and I enjoy playing against it. And there are enough variants of that type of deck now that it's, it's more, it is more interesting than it used to be. 
Um, so tell us about tell us um, about the list. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, To be honest, there are a lot of runner strategies that try and camp remotes. And if Corpse always had the squad of remotes, the game would be a lot worse. Astroskip Pilot Program is a lot better than the other fast advanced cards, and I can understand why sometimes people have a problem with it to a degree. But um, since runners now have Clot. They have, you know, Wizard, which can interact with your Sand Sands and deal with that fast advance option. You've got other ways of trashing cards um, from your hand to deal with the Biotics and other options. Um, having Astro as a fast advance option that's really high-powered and quite difficult for the runners to interact with, although they now have Turntable, I, was gonna um, say. <laughs> I think has been quite good for the game because it forces runners to honour that threat and to still care about central servers because that's always been the best way to beat um, fast advance is to race them, um, to R and D lock them, to get deep into their um, R and D and find the agendas that are there that they can't control. Um, now, the uh, the runner decks aren't necessarily set up to do that at the moment. Although the double fork deck obviously has medium and that's its main way of winning. So you'll often find that in those NEH double fork matchups. The Cyberdex Virus Suites are really important. Um, whether they get hit on crucial medium runs can be really key, but also the Corporation's ability to get a few agendas out of its deck early by scoring really quickly um, and then looking for that last one is really, really important. Um, and that first Astro can make all the difference. No, it's spicy. How did you go on the day, Jesse? Um, well, um, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to have a, a buy from Store Champs. Uh, which was helpful. Always a good way to start the day. Are you, are you actually going to slow roll us? Oh, I, I won the event, which is great. Yeah, you won yeah. the event. I, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that was an excellent result, and I was really pleased about it. Um, had a couple of wins post the buy, and then was fortunate enough to be able to ID given the uh, standings after round three. Uh, ID'd my final two rounds and made actually uh, the top cut in first place in Swiss. Um, then won all my games in the cut as well, which is great. Uh, had a, a game as Kate against... Uh, sorry, a game as the Corporation against um, uh, Max uh, Keyhole build, Edo Keyhole, which is always a pretty terrifying build to face as a Corporation. But I managed to get the Astro Train rolling and get there just in time uh, ahead of that. Um, oh, sorry, it wasn't Keyhole. It was DLR, I think. Anyway, there was some milling going on. It was DLR or Keyhole, possibly both. Uh, then I had a game as runner against Sol. Uh, Matt Cox is a local player who's been playing the New Angeles Sol deck, uh, relying on those news hounds. Uh, fortunately, I think he might have uh, snuck a. He beat you in the finals of a store champs as well with that. Same he did, list, didn't he? Um, and yeah, that's right. So he's been doing. Yeah, I was well going to say. It. Fortunately, I'd had a chance to um, play against the deck before because what I learnt from that store champs was that having Dagger out for those new towns is really, really important in that matchup. <laughs> um, and managed to get a few points early using that and prioritizing having access to Dagger in my opening hand uh, and then managed to uh, exploit um, my opponent forgetting about a clot window that I had to stop uh, his psychographics. I think it was a psychographics, but anyway, to stop some sort of fast advance that was happening, which turned out to be a pretty crucial point in that game. Um, then I had, uh, a game against our good friend, Sam Hall. Uh, I think he was playing his noise against my NEH or possibly I was running against his NEH. I can't actually recall, yeah. um, but that turned out well for me either way. Uh, and then in the final, I was playing against Michael Kilgore. who's a local player, very good player. Uh, also a store champion. 
um, possibly multiple time store champion this year, actually. Yeah, he was uh, hashtag plaque blocking. Yeah, people, he's I got think. a handy collection of plaques. Michael, I'm yeah, sure you he can... uses them as coasters and his. his yeah, so Michael, feel free to tweet us a photo of all your plaques from this year. It would be uh, yeah. pleased to retweet <laughs> that one. Um, but anyway, yeah, Michael uh, was playing Leela, which is a tough matchup for any age, and I had to be very, very, very careful. Tried to block out his economy as much as I could from centrals. That's generally my approach to the um, security testing decks in Criminal is to try and slow down their development so that I have I can drag the early game on as long as possible and stop them from getting set up, which I was fortunately able to do. Managed to sneak a couple of agendas out fast advanced along the way using uh, shipment from Sansan. Uh, protected a Sansan city grid for quite a long time with a code gate, I think a quandary if I remember rightly, and then uh, managed to resist the Leela bounces along the way, not lose too much tempo, not get too many uh, agendas taken out of R&D. I think I was, got to six points, so my opponent was still on two, if I remember correctly. He managed to get um, a couple more, possibly one or two more agendas, but um, I got up to seven credits with the fast-track biotic um, shipment combo in hand uh, and my Sansan on the board and got there. Nice. Sorry, don't even need Just seven credits. I need won. four credits to do that. <clears throat> yeah. Four credits, yeah. Out Five well. credits? Four credits? Fast credit? Yeah. Four credits, yeah. A yeah. number of credits, <laughs> X credits. Some number. Anyway, I, I, had, I had the combo in hand for a while and I was just getting siphoned and was getting more and more nervous yes. that I wasn't quite going to get there and that R&D was going to cough yeah. them up, but managed to begin the turn with enough credits in hand and the combo pieces to get there. Yeah, how good does that feel? Feels well, really, really good. Yeah. Feels feels yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, um, well, yeah I was uh, lucky enough to make uh, top eight as well uh, and thanking uh, the, the changes that Jesse encouraged me to make that morning. Always a good thing, changing um, your decks in the morning. For it, always yeah. very good. I think just to, just to segue into a brief philosophical conversation in regards to competitive play, uh, I mean, uh, one of the things that I always have when I'm playing in a big tournament is, in in my mind, like setting the goal for yourself. And I've spoken about this quite a bit online, but um, for me, the goal is often to make the cut. Like, I really want to make the cut. That That's sort of my goal, and that's when I feel like I've achieved what I set out to do. And, you know, when they read out those standings and my name is in the top eight or the top four, that's when I feel like, yeah, I did it. I did what I, what I set out to do. And then the problem I have then is that I'm not playing with my utmost in in the double elimination. So, uh, like, I don't know about, like, if you guys have had similar things, like, obviously, Jesse, for you, you're still, like, I, I mean, yeah, we were talking uh, before before our regionals in Melbourne, you said, if I don't win, uh, who wants to travel with me to another regional? So I was like, oh, fuck, like, <laughs> I'm going to worry about making the top eight before I worry about not winning. <laughs> like, like, so you're obviously, like, at the next, like, the next step where your goal is to still win the tournament, whereas I'm, like, the, the one below, like... And it's just still trying to get my headspace into actually playing out. Like, I mean, I made the finals against Wolfie in a, a store champs, and uh, you know, I you know, I made the top four in another number of store championships, top eight in the past as well. Like, even at Nats, so we made top eight in Nats 2014. My headspace. Not, not to run your own resume off or anything. But... No, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm making a no, point, no, I promise. No. My headspace <laughs> in 2014 was the same as it was in 2016 like this year a few weeks ago when I was in the top eight of the regionals I was like I'm really just happy to be here you know and it's I need to get out of that headspace I was matched up against Wilfie in um, uh, the the first spot of double elimination and uh, Wilfie had brought along his uh, shout out to Wilfie who can't be here but he made top eight as well we were very proud of him um, 
he had brought along a CI, a 7-point CI, which uh, I can't really deal with as Kate unless I get very lucky. And I thought, oh, well, you know, he was top of the Swiss, uh, not top of the Swiss, but he was higher standings than me and got to choose which side he was playing. And he chose to play Noise against my uh, Near Earth hub, um, which I was surprised about because that means I had a chance to win and I, and I did win. I can't remember the details of the game. It was a long time ago. Um, and then I think Wilfie lost the next game as well to get to get knocked out. Yeah, I just, on that, on Wilfie's run, there was one person yeah. at the tournament who was playing Haley with Sacrificial oh, Constructs yeah. and Clot. And he played, yeah. Wilfie played that person <laughs> in Swiss. And that person yeah. made top he eight. Also, and that person made top eight. Yeah, it was his first top yeah, eight so as well. So shout out to Matthew. Just, yeah. um, great performance. Yeah. And Wilfie then got paired against him as his first game with CI in the top cut and lost after losing to you. So poor Wilfie. Yeah. But I was very glad I avoided that because... As you said, the matchup for Stealth Kate against CI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was surprised. Next time we have Wolfie on, we'll get him to, um, you know, explain. I, I think he, he said it because I asked him. I said, "Look, why did you choose Noise over that?" And he, he said, "Oh, I, I thought the Noise matchup was better." And um, you know, we, as we know, our lovable Bioroid usually runs through the numbers, so he, I'm sure he could explain a bit more in depth his um, his thought process there. But I was very surprised because whenever I sit down against a seven point CI, I'm just going like, "Well, I hope I get lucky off R and D in the first few turns. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm probably yeah. dead." <laughs> um, then I uh, played uh, off again against uh, Sam Hall. Uh, it was a very tight game. I remember. I don't remember the exact details, but it did come down to just uh, I think one or two single accesses uh, on uh, on my part. I bricked on a, on a on a five card maker's eye run when I just needed to hit one more agenda. I think I was on six points, so just anything would have been good. And then he uh, scored uh, scored the following turn. And one, and then I played against Michael Kilgour's uh, Palana. Um, actually, uh, well, I'm going to tell myself that I was at a disadvantage because I hadn't played against any of the Palana decks at all uh, up until then. But Michael's a very strong player. He has this very uncanny way of just sitting there and sort of tanking for not long, maybe 30 seconds, and then just making the perfect play. It's really quite bizarre. He's just very good at just making really cool. good plays, and you sort of don't see it coming. But uh, yeah, I got knocked out, but as I said, I was just happy to be there at that point. I really just got to work on getting my headspace around to um, telling myself that I am going to make the cut, and from then I've got to win the event. So uh, all in all, I was very happy. And uh, I was proud of the rest of our team as well, including Hollis, even though you weren't there, but you were at a different regionals doing well. Also there in spirit. Yes, always there in spirit. You're there in our team huddles when we uh, yes. hug each other after we make uh, make the top cut or we have a bad beat so someone gets knocked out. I want we you leave know. room. Uh, you, know how, you, know, you know how people in the, in the South in America say leave room for Jesus? <laughs> leave room for Hollis. <laughs> <laughs> um, at some point during our tournament, I put my hand out when there was no one around and I started quacking and people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, you don't, you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> basically had a, had a body experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team thing. I had a triple deke, and then I, I beat the runner. It's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anything before we wrap up, guys? Final um, thoughts. Um, just all I wanted to say congratulations to a couple of our uh, Patreon supporters who made the top sixteen oh, yeah. of US Nats today. We we're very proud to see that. Oh yes, um, and. Uh, thanks also to all of our Patreon supporters who've been uh, posting all of their results and their stories from their regionals. It's been a real pleasure to read them uh, and to follow all of your journeys through your respective regionals and nationals tournaments. So we look forward to hearing more from you as the nationals continue. And just a shout out to anybody who, who is a, uh, a Patreon supporter at, 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 at the $2 tier or above. If, you, if you're not a member of the 
Winning Agenda Patreon supporters Facebook group. Just get on there and, and sh- shoot, shoot off a request and we'll add you in there because it's really fostering a cute little community there. So we'd love to get more people involved if you're not already on there. Word. Get on it. Word. Uh, all right, that's about uh, all the time we have for the Winning Agenda tonight. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Winning Agenda and check out our Facebook page, The Winning Agenda. Until next Monday, guys, we look forward to speaking to you then. Bye-bye. Speak to you soon. See you, everyone. <laughs>